For those that uh, don't know, as a church, we are grieving the loss of a dear member of our church family. Uh, Rachel Waters went to be with Jesus on Thursday, and at times like these, we can experience a whole whirlwind of emotions, can't we? I mean, from feeling totally numb, shocked, confused, disappointed, so easy to question, God, why didn't you intervene? Why didn't you heal? It can seem very unfair, can't it? Particularly when it's someone so young and with a young family. It can just feel very, very unfair. Times like these are hard to understand. And I think, for me, when I get to these sort of places, I just have to accept and actually give up the right to understand. Because with our limited human perspective, our limited human understanding, we will have to accept, actually, that we will never truly know why God allows something so painful like this to happen. And yet, what we do know and what we hold on to because we know, is that God is good and that God is faithful, that God is just and perfect in all his ways. We had a great time worshipping in our worship lounge last night, just, just singing that, God, you are perfect in all your ways, declaring that truth, that he is our redeemer, that he is the lifter of our heads. That actually and ultimately, he has victory over death. This is what we hold on to. This is truth. And this never changes. There's a song I've been listening to recently. And there's a lyric that says, what is true in the light is still true in the dark. It's so important we understand that. God is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I want to spend some time before we go into our time of sung worship, just to talk and look about grief, but also look at hope. Because for those who are in Christ, hope and grief are not mutually exclusive at all. It's interesting, we were meant to start a new series this week called Countercultural. And actually, in many ways, what we're talking about this morning is completely countercultural. Because outside of Jesus, there is no hope in grief. Outside of the hope we have in Jesus, grief leads to despair. And yet, we know. That although our grief and our sorrow is very real, so too is our hope in Jesus. Our grief has hope, real hope, running right the way through it. Because we can hold on to these promises of our faithful, covenant-keeping, sovereign God who is in control. And I just want to say right from the outset that it's okay to grieve. 
kind of sounds a bit of a strange thing to say, really. But perhaps in Christian circles, there can be a, a bit of a pressure to, to sort of put on a brave face, to, to actually, you know, oh, crumbs, we should be rejoicing because we know where our loved ones are. We know where Rachel is. And that is an amazing truth, that Rachel is in the presence of her saviour. That is an amazing truth. But we grieve because of the pain of separation. It's wonderful to know that when we are away from the body, we're at home with the Lord. But she leaves behind her family and her friends. And there's pain in that separation. And we need to acknowledge that. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 4 famously says, There is a time to mourn. And there is a time to dance. And sometimes those two different seasons can run in parallel. In fact, more often than not, those two seasons get intertwined. A classic example is this week. Where we celebrate and rejoice with Daniel and Warfi over the birth of their new little boy, Jace. We celebrate with them. We rejoice with them. But we also mourn and weep at the loss of Rachel. And that's the walk of this life, isn't it? Joy, rejoicing, and weeping are often entwined. Romans 12.15 says, Rejoice with those who, who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. It is appropriate. It's appropriate. We don't have to put on brave faces. And we see right the way through Scripture, time and time again, examples of godly people grieving, expressing their loss. We see Joseph in the Bible as a good example, grieving the the loss of his father. An elaborate mourning process to help him through that. We see David... King David grieving the loss of his son, Absalom. What about Jesus weeping over Lazarus? I think one of the reasons Jesus wept at the news of Lazarus was because he felt Mary and Martha's pain at being separated from their brother. He felt that pain of separation. Yes, we know. As Christians, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, when we're away from the body, we're home. We're home. Rachel's home. And that gives us comfort, but there's still that sense of loss. Life goes on, but it's very different, particularly for those who had the privilege of knowing Rachel. And you know what? However prepared or otherwise we are for the loss of a loved one, None of us can know how we will respond and how we will react. None of us will. Often it brings up stuff from the past. Perhaps stuff we thought we'd processed. It comes up again. It's like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And again, it's just that understanding that loss impacts us in so many different ways. And in different seasons as well. There's no dress rehearsal for it. There's no preparation. So I suppose that's a very long-winded way for me to say, let's throw off any thought 
that somehow grieving is not being spiritual. We actually worship a God who grieves, who actually expresses sorrow, who empathizes in our pain. Jesus in Isaiah 53 was described as a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He understands. He knows. But I think another reason why Jesus wept at the news of Lazarus' death, even though he knew he was about to raise him from the dead, was because that death itself is a painful reminder of how sin has damaged this earth. How it was never meant to be this way. It's sometimes said that death is just part of life. Actually, it was never meant to be. Death was never part of God's original plan. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. I like to think that when verse numbers were put into our Bibles, I think it was around 1515, something like that, I like to think there was a reason why those two words were separated and put in their own verse. Jesus wept. I like to think that perhaps it was just to draw our attention to to, to recognize Jesus' heart for this broken world. We, We have a God who is grieved over the state of his world. He is grieved over every sin, over every injustice, over every death. He is grieved because he so loves the world. That's why he sent his one and only son. That's why we have hope, which we'll look at in a moment. And I think a key reason why the loss of a loved one is so painful is that death was never part of God's original plan. And I think deep down in us, we know that. We know that. We know this is not how it was meant to be. There is just something in us that says this is not right. So when we grieve, what we're actually doing is we're grieving the outcome of the fall. We're grieving the impact, the effects of sin coming into this earth. The fact that death came as a consequence of mankind's sin. And it had nothing to do with God's original plan. Paul reminds us in Romans 8. Turn to it if you want, Romans chapter 8. We're going to be dipping in that a little bit. Romans 8, 22. We know... That the whole of creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. There is this tension that we currently live in. We, we, we see the earth groaning. We have wonderful moments of respites in a way when we see wonderful things like the royal wedding. It's just that sense of joy. There was a common thread. We needed this. We needed this. The, the earth is groaning. As if in the pains of childbirth. There's this tension. It's often called the, 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 the now but not yet of the kingdom. When Jesus came, he, he, he announced, he, he ushered in a new era. He said the kingdom of God has drawn near. 
But we also know through Scripture that this kingdom will not be fully revealed until he comes again. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. There's this tension, this now but not yet. And the beautiful thing is, whilst we live in this tension... We have a part to play in this redemptive plan of God while we live in this tension. This is what this whole week of prayer that we have been doing has been all about. This prayer, God, your kingdom come. Let it increasingly come. Your perfect rule, your perfect reign. Break into this hurting, groaning world. Increase, God, increase. We have a part to play in that redemptive plan. But we sense this tension between this desire to see God's perfect kingdom increasingly come into this hurting world, but also this continued awareness that things are not as they should be. I'm just so grateful that Paul reminds us that this groaning is like labor pains. Because in the same way that labor pains, the whole point of that is the end result is new birth. The whole point of this groaning, the outcome is also new birth. There will come a time where God will usher in a new heaven and a new earth. We we wait in hope. Yes, we grieve because of the pain of separation. Yes, we grieve because this is not how the world was meant to be. But straight after that, Paul in Romans 8 goes on to say, For in this hope, hope? What hope? Hope in the complete redemption of the world, this new birth, this new heaven, this new new earth, for in this hope we are saved. He says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he can already see? But if we hope for what we do not yet see, because we're in this not yet period, if we hope for what we do not yet see, we wait for it patiently, because we know it will come. We know it will come. It's birth pangs. What we're experiencing, the sorrow, the grief, the hurt, it's birth pangs when one day Jesus will come and usher in a new heaven and a new earth. This is why our grief is countercultural. This is why our grief has hope running right the way through it. A really helpful passage for us at this time is in 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul says in verse 13, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. Notice he doesn't say, so we don't grieve. He says, so we don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope, because we have hope. Yes, we grieve. 
Yes, we experience sorrow, but our sorrow has hope running right the way through it. Right the way through it. He goes, I just think it's so, it's so important we understand that. Yes, we grapple with physical death still. But you know what? Because Jesus died paying the price for our sin. And because he rose again, because death had absolutely no hold on him. Death was dealt a decisive, fatal blow. It's why we can sing, death, where is your sting? Because ultimately, death has been defeated. Yes, we have to grapple with physical death in the here and now. Because we've yet to see this complete fulfillment of the victory that will happen when Jesus returns. But we can have hope and we can wait patiently. And he will return to put an end to physical death and usher in this this new heaven and this new earth, as Revelation 21 says, where he will wipe away every tear where there will be no more mourning, where there will be no more death, where there will be no more pain and suffering and crying because the old things have passed. This is a certainty. And 1 Thessalonians 4 continues. He says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven and with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, let us encourage one another with these words. Let us encourage one another with these words. He is the resurrection and the life. His resurrection has guaranteed our resurrection. We know that we will see our loved ones again. We know we will see Rachel again. Why? Because Jesus raised from the dead. He was the first fruits. And we too will be raised to new life. That is why our grief is different. Because we have hope in Jesus' victory over death itself. We also have hope because we are not alone in our grief. We've already said that God is a God who understands. He is acquainted with grief, but he is also with us in our grief. He is Emmanuel, God with us. This morning is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day, we celebrate it every day, but it just marks the time when God first poured out his Holy Spirit on his church and changed the world forever. It was the the fulfillment of so many prophetic words of Joel in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter declared, this is for you and your children's children. This is for us, folks. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's also the fulfillment of the promise Jesus gave when he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you on your own. I will send the paraclete, the one who draws alongside our helper, 
our advocate, the one who even prays on our behalf. You know, times like this, we don't know what to pray, do we? Half the time, we don't know what to think or how we're feeling. How on earth? I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. That's okay. Because we have the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 26. Romans 8 keeps going on through this, helping us at this time. He says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Have you experienced that? Maybe you've experienced that even this week. God, I just don't know what to pray. Holy Spirit, just help me. He is God with us in our grief. We can know this total security in our sorrow because we have the Holy Spirit with us. Ephesians 1 talks about him being being the seal The deposit, the down payment, guaranteeing what is to come. How do we know that our hope is not a pipe dream? This this talk of of Jesus coming again and, and victory over death. How do we know this isn't just wishful thinking? Because we have the Holy Spirit. We have a taste of what is to come. When we want to put a we put a deposit on the house. To know, I am going to follow through with my commitment. I'm going to follow through with this purchase. Here's my deposit. God has deposited in us his Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our future inheritance, guaranteeing eternal life, guaranteeing our hope. It's actually solid and secure. Even through the, the storms of life, which can knock the wind out of us, we can stay secure because the very Spirit of God is with us. He is our comforter. Acts 9 talks about walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. How many of us at this time need to know that we can walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit? 2 Corinthians 1.4, he is the God who comforts us in our troubles. This is who God is. He is the God who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. We are not alone in our grief because we have the Spirit of God walking with us. Scripture is just full of this, isn't it? Psalm 34 The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. It was mentioned last night in our worship evening. He's close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. He draws near. He's with us. He understands our suffering. He also walks with us in our suffering. We're not alone. But we're also not alone because we have each other. Aren't you glad that God puts us into families, into church families? So that 2 Corinthians 1 passage says, God comforts us so we can comfort one another. He goes on to say, we can give others the same comfort that God has given us. As we draw from God, as we draw from his spirit, the spirit of comfort So we can pour that comfort out to others. We can draw alongside each other. And as I said, people are going to be at different stages. 
And that's okay. We can comfort them. And you know what? This is what being part of the body of Christ is all about, isn't it? It's so true that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And so as a church family, we will journey with Simon, with Esther, with Toby, with Joel. We will journey together with them through the ups and downs as the the days turn into weeks and weeks into months and months into years. We journey together as one family. And can I just say, journeying together through grief and pain calls for us to be honest and vulnerable. I loved something that Pete Gregg posted a while ago. He said this, when life is tough, they tell you to be strong. Don't be strong. Be weak. Unclench your fists. Dare to be vulnerable. Honest weakness takes courage. But it affirms our common humanity. It deepens friendship. And it elicits grace. When we choose to be vulnerable with each other, when we choose to to be brave enough not to, to, to put a mask on, not to be stiff up a lip, but actually be vulnerable. That opens the door for others to bring that comfort to you. It opens the door for God's grace to be manifest in our family. It shows unity. It shows the wonderful grace of bearing with one another, carrying each other's burdens. And it's a wonderful way that God is glorified through his church. Now is not the time to to put on brave faces. Now is the time to be real and to be there for one another. To recognize that God's grace is sufficient. It really is. It's sufficient. And we can stand in the gap for one another. When we recognize when one, one person's struggling, when one person's down, we, we, we just pray, God, give us the wisdom. Do they need space or do they need me to draw alongside? It elicits grace. We can pray for protection for one another. Protection from the lies and accusations of the enemy. You know, when we've taken a hit, we don't want the enemy to get a foothold in here. So we, we can pray for protection. That actually, God, you be glorified in this. The enemy doesn't get a look in here. He doesn't get a foothold in here. Again, last night as we were worshipping, there was a a picture of just God's everlasting arms coming around the church, bringing his comfort. But as he does that, he, he brings, he gathers. He brings a closeness, a stronger sense of unity. And his arms are everlasting, and his arms never grow tired or weary. That's just a beautiful picture. As we receive comfort from God, so it produces a greater depth of unity in his church. And that's something we can really pray for and something we can demonstrate.
and see God glorified, even in this difficult time. And finally, we have hope even in our grief because we know, as we've mentioned before, again back in Romans chapter 8, Romans 8, 28, well-known verse, we know that in all things, all things, God works, not can work, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. And while we may never understand his ways, we acknowledge his ways are higher than our ways because we know that he is good, he is faithful, and he is always at work for the good of those who love him. You know, the greatest demonstration, of course, of that was the cross of Jesus, isn't it? The greatest thing that could ever happen, the best thing that could happen to us, our salvation, the death of death, the death of sin, hope of eternity with our Father, the greatest thing that could have ever happened came from the darkest of times. The cross proves that God is able to bring good. And going back to Pentecost, that very first Pentecost, we see Peter standing up full of the Holy Spirit, speaking out to the crowds, the very crowds who had declared, crucify him those weeks before. He says this, this man Jesus was handed over to you, listen, by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Through it all, God was in complete control and he still is. And he still is. He is our Redeemer. He is the Redeemer of the most painful of situations. For his glory. For his glory. And so as we journey through this time together, let's just remember that our grief is real. And it's okay. In fact, we need to grieve. But our grief is different from the rest of the world. While the pain of loss is very real, we don't need to be consumed, swallowed up by despair because we can know this sure and certain hope that Jesus is totally in control he is totally good. He is totally faithful. Lamentations 3. We don't really talk about Lamentations very much. Perhaps we should a little bit more. This is quite a well-known one. Lamentations 3, 22, 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. He is the God who weeps with us. 
He is also the God who will dry every tear. Maybe if the band could come back, I think it would just be a really good opportunity to worship. Can, I, can we just stand to our feet if you're able? I'd just like to pray over us as a church. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are indeed the God of all comfort. I want to thank you that you are the one who gives us hope. The Lord, even when things make absolutely no sense to us, even in the mess and in the heartache and in the questions and in the tears, we declare you are our rock, you are our refuge, you are our comfort, you are our hope. And I thank you, Lord, that that never changes. It is a hope of eternal life, but it's also a hope we can experience in the here and now. And it is a hope that is rooted in the victory over death on the cross. Thank you for that sure and certain hope, Lord. And I pray that as we worship you, as we bring you our sacrifice of praise, so, Lord, you be glorified. But I also pray that you will bring that comfort and that fresh hope into our hearts. That we will be those who reflect your glory in our grief and in our sorrow. That we will be so countercultural that the world will see there is more to this than meets the eye. This is a faith that lasts. This is a faith that is tested and found pure. This is a faith more precious than gold. Be glorified in our worship. Amen.